0: Ladies, have you been led astray? Did you diddle where maybe you shouldn't have dabbled? Have you been unfaithful to your husband, wife, partner, main squeeze? Well, there's a judgment-free podcast just for you. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, hosted by Rebecca Adams, tells the stories of these women from their perspective, anonymously and without judgment.
1: He got out of his car and tried to kiss me. I pulled back. I was still not wanting an affair. I was not sure what I wanted. Most likely, I just liked the way it felt to be wanted. This did not stop his calls. Several more weeks went by and we met up again, this time by the water. After walking and talking for an hour, I could not take the suspense anymore. I leaned in and kissed him. It was like fireworks.
0: If you need to come clean, get it off your chest, confess your sins with no Hail Marys required, then Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is the podcast for you. And remember, it's completely anonymous and judgment-free. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today.
1: Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. What does the word ponder actually mean? According to one dictionary, it means to weigh in the mind, to think about and reflect on. On Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, we do just that. We discuss taboo and questionable subject matter. For example, size. Does it really matter? Or do you really want to know the number of partners your significant other has been with? Or what about stories of disastrous one-night stands? How about being in a sexless marriage? These and other topics are what we talk about on this podcast. Hello and welcome to Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. Okay, my voice, yes, I just woke up. I'll tell you why I'm recording when I just woke up. Well, yesterday afternoon, the Marine and I recorded this episode, came back this morning to edit it down, and it was gone. So apparently, I didn't hit save. And then my computer went through some funky restart thing that it does and it didn't save it. So I am back sounding like this, we're gonna get it done. And then once the Marine wakes up and everything, we'll get his opinions and thoughts on things. So today we're gonna talk about basically what happens when a child is conceived through an affair, whether it be the woman who gets pregnant and is married or the man impregnates somebody else, obviously a woman. So I've got a great article from marriagebuilders.com and you can check out his page and and read the article yourself. It is in my show notes today, so you'll have an opportunity to see a little bit more about what this person does. Um, But his name is Willard F. Harley Jr. and he is a PhD. So we'll hop into his article and then I do have feedback from listeners who submitted their thoughts and opinions about it, as well as an article from Florida about his child that he no longer uh, has penny parental rights because of the laws down there. So we'll go ahead and get started. What to do with the Child of an Affair, William F. Harley, Jr., Ph.D. I have spent most of my professional career studying human decision-making and its consequences. That's because the choices we make in life have such a profound effect on our welfare and the welfare of others. Having diagnosed and been involved in the treatment of over 50,000 people, I found that most mental health problems are a direct result of decisions that place people into predictably stressful and unpleasant situations. As a clinical psychologist, I have tried to help people change the way they make decisions so that they learn to make choices that maximize their benefits to themselves and others. One of my earliest observations as a clinical psychologist was that... Those who are married are far less likely to have serious emotional disorders than those who are single. One might first guess that the reason for this difference is that those with serious emotional disorders are less likely to marry. But I've found that marriage itself can have a very positive effect on a person's mental health. The reason, I believe, is marriage is a very important opportunity to bring another person into the decision-making process. Instead of having only one perspective on life, a person has another point of view to help make wiser choices. But there are some choices in marriage that leave both spouses scratching their head. That's when none of the choices are good and a couple must decide which one causes the least damage. One of those choices is what to do with the child of an affair. How can a couple arrive at a wise decision when all of the options seem to be so distasteful? An affair itself is a bad decision, certainly from the perspective of the betrayed spouse. He or she knows of what the pleasure their unfaithful spouse may have gained cannot in any way compensate for their suffering. It's one of those most thoughtless decisions that can be made in life. The children and the extended family are scarred by the affair, but even the unfaithful spouse doesn't emerge unscathed. When the affair finally ends, 95% of the time, the unfaithful spouse is left having seriously injured those he cared or she cared for, all for nothing. When the realities of life shine on the affair, it is eventually seen for what it is, a very bad decision. In spite of how thoughtlessly painful an affair is, I've witnessed the complete recovery of thousands of couples who have made very wise decisions following the very unwise choice of an affair. It's a testament to the ability we have to make adjustments in life that can turn disaster into triumph. An Affair is difficult enough to survive with the wisest choices, but if a couple must deal with the child of an affair, it often seems as if nothing they do will result in triumph. If they keep the child, they are forever burdened with a constant reminder of the worst experience of their life. But if they abandon the child, they are left with overwhelming guilt. I've had the advantage of witnessing the effects of a variety of choices couples have made when faced with this dilemma. I've seen, firsthand, what happens to couples when they make the decision to keep the child and the decision to leave the child in the care of others. With that experience, I am in a position to offer guidance to couples that come to me for advice, and the advice I have given has proven over time to be remarkably effective. The alternatives, on the other hand, have not. There are two basic situations to consider. A child of an unfaithful wife and the child of an unfaithful husband. I have already written two Q&A columns regarding the former situation, what to do when you or your spouse becomes pregnant with a lover's child but I have not written my recommendation to a couple when it's the unfaithful husband having a child. In this article, I will make a recommendation for both situations. Let me begin by reviewing one of my basic recommendations for surviving an affair. The unfaithful spouse is to never see or communicate with the other person. Extraordinary precautions must be taken to ensure that outcome, because if there is even unintentional contact, an affair can easily be rekindled. I've witnessed that mistake with many unfaithful spouses who consider themselves completely free of any attachment, until contact was made with the other person. The threat of rekindling an affair is not the only reason I recommend no contact. I also recommend it for the protection of the betrayed spouse. Any contact sets the betrayed spouse back to the beginning of recovery. The fear, the anger, the resentment, the betrayal all comes back full force making a full recovery almost impossible. With this very basic and essential recommendation in mind, absolutely no contact, it's easier to understand how I would advise couples who have a child of an affair. At all costs, the other person is never to make contact with unfaithful spouses. So then, how can that recommendation be followed when a child is involved? When the wife is the unfaithful spouse. In the case of a wife being the unfaithful spouse, I recommend keeping the child in the family. I know of no cases where trying to separate the wife from her child has led to the recovery of the marriage, but I know how, uh, but I know of many recoveries if there is absolutely no contact of the other man with his child. In some cases, the other man doesn't want anything to do with the child, or he may need, he, In some cases, the other man doesn't want anything to do with the child or he may not even know that he is the father. In these cases, I do not recommend reaching out to him to raise his child, but even if he wants to raise his child, I recommend that you do what you can to keep him away from your family. Granted, this recommendation seems on the face to be a very difficult one to achieve and even terribly misguided. Shouldn't the child have the care of the natural father? In this case, I have found that the betrayed father can do much better job raising the child as long as the marriage is successful. Children, in general, thrive in a marriage where a husband and a wife love and care for each other. The imposition of the other man in their lives is a constant reminder of the suffering caused by the affair and presents a very confusing parenting arrangement to the child. It would place the marriage under a great deal of pressure that the couple might eventually find intolerable. A loving and caring marriage would be difficult to create under that condition. While the affair itself should be exposed, disclosing the parentage of the child is a very different issue. In an effort to keep the other man away from the family, parentage should be left up to him to prove. People knowing the situation will guess that this child might be his, but without proof he would have no legal right to disrupt the family. The law assumes that, in the case of a married couple, the husband is the father of any child born to the wife during the marriage. A couple dealing with the child of an affair should take full advantage of this legal situation and say nothing to indicate that the husband is not the father of the child. They are in no obligation by law to provide DNA samples unless so ordered by a court. Without proof of parentage, the other man cannot claim visitation rights and any efforts to impose himself on the family can be dealt with by a restraining order for the entire family. In all my years of counseling, however, I have never witnessed a man who cannot prove parentage go to such lengths as to require a restraining order. If the other man is determined to prove parentage, he will need to persuade a judge to grant him a court order for a DNA test. Few men go to these lengths, but should he obtain a court order, the test should be supervised by the court. In the case where parentage has been proven by court-ordered and court-approved DNA tests and the other man insists on visitation rights, the success of the marriage is usually seriously impaired. Some couples are able to overcome some of the negative effects by making sure that there is a mediator to deliver and pick up the child from the other man, but such a couple is constantly reminded of the affair. Her attraction to the other man and his resentment about what she did will often cripple the marriage in this situation. When the husband is the unfaithful spouse. In many ways, based on my initial recommendation that all contact with the other person end completely, it's easier to make a recommendation to a couple with a child born to an unfaithful husband. He should not have contact with the child. Such contact would only increase his temptation to make contact with the other woman, but would also increase fear, anger, and resentment of his wife. But as you might expect, that recommendation is extremely controversial. It only It's only when you see what happens to couples that allow contact between unfaithful father and his child that is apparent that a choice must be made between the child and the marriage. If a couple wants their marriage to thrive, his contact with the child must end, in spite of the negative effects that might have on the child. If contact is made, the marriage is under constant threat of divorce. The other woman may not want the unfaithful spouse to get out of her life so easily. She may not only want him to provide financial support in parenting, but she may also want to have him back as her lover. She may use this excuse of parenting to try and win him over. She may even offer to forego financial support if he were to spend some time with the child and her. But proving parentage can be very difficult for the other woman. Even if the unfaithful husband has admitted parentage, he can deny it later if a court-ordered and court-approved DNA has not been given. The woman who has sex with and gets pregnant by a man she knows is married might well have been having sex with someone else as well. We often see this played out on TV shows where a mistress who was certain that a particular married man was the father of her child turned out to be wrong. A married man should not take the other woman's word that he is the father of her child and neither should he give in to her demand for a DNA test. He should do nothing unless the other woman obtains a court order for a DNA test. Attorneys who specialize in parentage issues are essential in helping an unfaithful husband find his way out of this mess he has made for himself and his family. But even if the court were to order financial assistance for the child, the father should not have contact with that child. As I mentioned, when it is an unfaithful wife that has a child, my recommendation would seem terribly misguided. Many people would argue that the child should have the care of the natural father, but such care is almost certain to ruin the marriage. The suffering caused by the affair would re-trigger with each visitation. For most couples, it can't be sustained. When the unfaithful husband and the betrayed wife have children together, the decision to have no contact with the child of an affair is much easier than when there are no children. My argument is that any contact with the child of an affair puts the security of the other children at risk because it greatly increases the likelihood of a divorce. Whatever benefit there might be to the child of an affair would be a disadvantage to the children of the marriage. I lose that argument when there are no children in the marriage. In that case, the marriage itself must be seen as more valuable for its own sake than the welfare of a child. Many couples without children have made the decision and have agreed to have no contact with the child of an affair. But many others have decided that the child is more important than the marriage and have divorced to give the unfaithful husband a chance to be a father to his child. If the mother of the child is unmarried and is willing to marry the child's father, that child has a chance to be raised by its biological parents with all the advantages it offers. When the other woman is unwilling to marry the unfaithful father, many unfaithful fathers without other children are willing to forego contact with his child and that eventually leads to divorce for most couples. As difficult as it is to imagine, if a marriage is to thrive, a husband should have no contact with the child of his affair. Those who hear my recommendation and decide to allow contact with the child have usually let me know that I was right to have recommended complete separation, but occasionally I hear from a couple that have just begun the contact and report things are going well. But then later, I find that even these couples run into the same barriers for marital fulfillment and their marriage eventually fails. On the other hand, I have witnessed many couples that followed my advice and report a very positive outcome. As I make this recommendation to an ever-increasing number of couples, evidence keeps arriving that support this very controversial plan. So, from my perspective, I've discovered a choice that can save the marriage, albeit a very difficult choice. So I know my thoughts on that article, and I think it's, you know, just being a mom, I personally, well for one, I wouldn't want to get myself in that situation, and for two, I don't know how I could turn my back on a child. But that, again, is just my opinion. I have the Marine with me here. Yeah, say hello. Hello,
0: (laughs) and I just wanna say thank you for um, allowing me to speak and share my thoughts and opinions and experiences with both of you.
1: So, yeah, what do you think of this article here?
0: Real quick before I go into the article, I wanna share a little bit about myself. My parents were divorced when I was um, pre-teen, young, and my mom remarried. So I have both a mother and a father, and then I have a stepdad. And my experience in having my stepdad has been absolutely fantastic. He's probably a big part of why I am who I am today. I still have great memories of my father. I had a little contact um, here and there and then later as an adult um, i had more contact with him and to this day
1: so you didn't really spend much time with your dad growing up
0: I, my father i did not
1: i'm sorry your father but your yeah. but, your, your your father cuz your parents were married and and you had a family with you and your siblings and your mom
0: yeah and so Mother. while there was the no contact thing i have a couple of siblings and one of my siblings um, used that no contact type theory um, throughout his life. Uh, to this day, he still does not have contact with Father. And um, segueing back to the idea of this article, I want to say it's a hard choice to begin with. It's a choice of lesser evils, if you would. So, in Drawing a parallel in my head from the article to my own experience, uh, I think that my brother chose that separation for protection. He did not like being hurt like that um, because of the disappointment and whatnot. I I can't read his mind and just some of the conversations that I've had. lead me to that conclusion is that the separation was less painful for him i don't know how it affected my father so the another parallel i wanted to draw was with my daughter i had a daughter we were not married with a woman and she was from another country when we met um we were in the, in the United States. For her delivery, she chose to go back um, to her country of origin and it made it very difficult. Um, I got to visit, I've got to be there for childbirth, but maybe somewhere between 60 and 90 days of total visitation over her first um, four years and then I had another couple of weeks maybe Um, when she was older and I'm going to say about 8 to 9 I can't remember exactly but we grew out of contact at probably her 10th year and there's a lot of mixed emotions on that and I may touch on that in a moment I have an opportunity now with this wonderful woman to gain another daughter who's just slightly a little older and i will be adopting a daughter who her father committed suicide when she was young about three and didn't have um a great relationship with her stepdad who for a few years i guess she had a good relationship when she turned 18 there was a Bit of an a, adulthood falling out, so to speak, and didn't feel like she was treated as well as um, some of the other would-be stepchildren. She then had a, another stepfather who passed away and did not have a great relationship with her, or between the two of them, him and her.
1: Well, he suffered from having close relationships with anybody, his own children. Human. he just was emotionally detached
0: yes and um I came in the very first day I met her and I'm a little bit of an extrovert and I like um I'm very friendly and so I like engaging with people and uh so good morning sunshine was the first words out of my mouth to her um one day and Ever since then, I have um, grown closer and closer, and we are in the process of adopting, or I am in the process of adopting.
1: She's mine, so I get to claim her first, but yeah.
0: (laughs) And it has been a wonderful experience taking care, of the limited time I have, another person's child, and trying to fulfill some of those roles. I think that a parent's role, especially a father figure, um, has kind of three, maybe four or more true callings. You procreate, you must provide, you have to protect, and those things I have had the opportunity with my soon-to-be-adopted daughter a little bit. As an older child, she's not going to be is needing of some of those things as as younger but
1: but i have to almost disagree with you because she granted her stepdad raised her for the most part he had not adopted her he had uh, legal custody when we divorced which i've talked about on my other podcast but she has felt like she's been rejected Her father committed suicide with her in the same house and she found him. Okay. So being young, why did my dad not want to be with me? Okay. And then two, when she had the falling out with my ex-husband, because she had been living with him for a couple of years. And then when she was 18, she was able to move back in with me. And to him, it was a fuck off because, I've raised you, your mother abandoned you, which I had not abandoned her, but he played that role. And, you know, forced her to make a decision and she decided on me. And so it's, instead of being, hey, I understand she's your mom, we'll work through this, you know, and do what you need to do. He was angry and turned her back. And so that's been 11 years. And they've really not had a relationship because she's 29 now and then um, when I remarried my husband that had passed away he would be there for her he would help her where he could you know if we needed to help her with her car do those types of things but emotionally he was not there because and as I've talked about on my other podcast it he just he didn't know how to emotionally connect with anybody he didn't grow up that way his kids even mentioned it at the funeral and so it was a real struggle so she couldn't depend on him emotionally where she needed to just have somebody who knew she would that they would have her back not just for physical or financial needs but that emotional need that I've got somebody who cares about me who means who I mean something deeply to like I feel about her because she's my daughter. She knows mom's going to be here for her regardless of the situation. But she always felt that there was some sort of a, oh, what do you call that? Um, When you love somebody only if they, um, on terms, not terms, what's the word I'm thinking of? Conditional love, I guess, is what it is. She knows that's not with me, but that's how it felt with the man who basically raised her, her, Main stepdad.
0: And I think that unconditional love, that connection, everybody needs. Whether it be from, in my case, like a stepfather or a stepdad and or my role with my new step daughter or my daughter that I'm a stepdaughter now, she's, she's my stepdaughter at the moment, yes. And so that connection, how does that tie to um the author of this article and his ideas of potentially an abandonment issue or something along that, where you put the child's needs sort of behind the needs of the adult, the married couple, and raising a child that is not yours. And there's the two different ones, the child that was born to the woman and how does that Male figure, the father, fit in with that couple. And then there's the other side of the coin, where the male has a child with somebody else. And I think that that total, even though it's a difficult choice, but that total disconnection is probably for the better. Um, And I say that with a very heavy heart. I think that my daughter um, had another stepfather who fulfilled the role that I wasn't able to and I hope that everywhere in the world children get an opportunity to have that Um, on the other hand that unconditional love for a child that's not even yours um, I think two things one it's the right thing to do secondly and it's not easy the right thing secondly um, the little bit of a, a Counting coup where a brag, um, I wrote a note. Be the better man, kind of idea is, I'm going to provide for that child, no matter what, and I'm going to do it better than her biological DNA donor, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take a little pride in that. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but little ego booster. It'll be my first grand, our first grandchild and And, and, so excited and and spoiling.
1: I mean, and this is another big, huge step is that when you legally adopt somebody, the biological parent comes off that birth certificate and it's reissued. So her biological father that committed suicide is coming off of this birth certificate and your name is going on there. And I told her that and she was fine with that. This is something she is so excited and she's not had an experience with a father and the, as much as you've given her in the last two years or two and a half years, you know, it, it's what, for her to feel wanted by a father is what she needs and that's what you're giving her. Sorry.
0: Absolutely. And... Um, Talking about the adoption, there's a historical issue for me, because I love history, and I look back at the Romans and then tie that in with the Bible, because Paul in um, the New Testament talks about how the Romans, when they adopt somebody, it actually, it's not just the legal matter of being able to inherit things, but you could disinherit a child that was um, born to you flesh and blood. But once you adopted somebody, that was a more permanent. You couldn't disinherit that adopted child. And so it kind of had a stronger legal precedence and maybe a stronger bond. And one of my favorite songs um, Randy Travis sings as a as, as a Christian album, um, it's called Raise Him Up. And it, he draws two parallels. One, Mary has an immaculate conception and her husband, Joseph, uh, raises that child and then there's the you know the biblical story to that but you draw it to a parallel um where i think as an author of the song he might have been raised up by somebody who wasn't his father and um i think that is a awesome gift to give a child that every child deserves
1: I surveyed people on social media. So if you follow me on Facebook, I put out questions for these surveys, uh, wanting people's opinions and thoughts. So if you're not following me on Facebook, you might want to, because that way you can participate, because I want to know your thoughts and opinions if you're listening. Um, But he wrote, hey, my wife's cousin separated from his wife. She moved another dude in, got prego, got back with the hubs and doesn't allow the dad to have rights to the kid. Florida has this antiquated law whereby the husband is legally the father. So he sent me the article on that. Okay, so this article is from the Palm Beach Post. Um, It was published back in 2017 by Jim Hayward. And of course, I'll have the link to that as well on my uh, episode notes. But it stated, this is the article, biological dad fights Florida law that denies him rights to his child. After losing contact with his three-year-old son when he broke off a relationship with the mother, a Port St. Lucie man is fighting for paternity rights, our news partners at WPTV Report. So I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong because I've never been to Florida and I don't know if that is indeed the name, but you can let me know if I'm screwing it up. John Karpinski's legal fight is complicated by the fact that the mother of his child was legally married when the boy was born. Florida law gives all paternal rights to the husband. The boy's mother says she and her husband recognize the child as their own, and they plan to raise him together, WPTV says. Quote, Mr. Karpinski was a great dad and was doing all the things that are expected of a father, and then to have that ripped away from him is certainly a different circumstance that even this law ever contemplated, end quote, said his attorney, Sean Plymale. Quote, I will never stop as long as there is breath in my body, end quote. Karpinski told WPTV, quote, I want my boy home, end quote. Well, that's, that's sad. I think that's sad, but that, I don't know how many states have that law. I'm familiar with Florida just because I've heard of it through this, and I think it was mentioned somewhere else, maybe on a different podcast, but, I mean, he spent the first three years with that kid. That's his son. And in, I hate this because a child doesn't ask to be brought into this world, but then they're put into these circumstances. But truly, and i this is where I struggle with that article, what is in the best interest of the child who is the innocent victim? I don't know.
0: Those are unfortunate circumstances. And uh, yeah, two, two mixed thoughts on that one. I hope he's not having to pay the child support and be disconnected from his child. That would really, really suck at a new level. What I really hope is that he never stops pursuing his son and that 18, they have a chance to reconnect.
1: Okay, so people's thoughts and opinions, uh, the rest of them, that I received. The first one says, Paul Anka had a song in 1974 called quote, you're having my baby. The lyrics say, quote, what a lovely way of saying you love me and what a lovely way of saying you're thinking of me, end quote. As a betrayed husband, I felt emasculated, but I also struggle with her emotional connection with her affair partner. If she were to become pregnant, she would naturally love the child. That would mean she would also love him since the child is a part of him. I also struggle with things that trigger anxiety from her infidelity. A child would be a huge reminder every day. It is humiliating to know he has been inside my wife. He took my ability to have peace and security within my home and family. To think I would have to provide food and shelter to this child is beyond cruel. Well, one thing about that song, there was a movie and I know I've referred to it, like I say, and I always say in my other podcast, Um, it was a movie called Heartburn and it had um, Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep in it. And when they found out she was pregnant, he actually sang that song. Like, over and over and drove his wife crazy to the point where she had a pillow over her head because he was singing all these goofy songs. <laughs> but the whole point of the movie was he ended up, he was having an affair on her the whole time. So let's put a spin on that one. You know, if this is about, and you know, how the person was writing. Anyways, I mean, he explained he would be absolutely devastated. Um, especially considering the infidelity, but um, I don't know, what do you think?
0: And devastated, rightly so. Um...
1: He's new to this, he's crinkling papers. You can't do that when you're recording. Bad dog. <laughs>
0: but a child is a reminder every day. That would, that would definitely be a thorn um, yeah. in, your, in your side. Um, and it's something very difficult, I think, to overcome and give that child the love that that deserves. Yeah. Man, that's some therapy right there, yeah. that, or needed
1: number two my wife has had a few close calls she and her lover do not use protection I have seen the discarded test kits it would be really interesting if she were to become pregnant since I am unable to have more children ouch really don't know quite what to say about that except maybe I'm not sure if your wife is aware that you're aware of the affair I mean is this something that's well, no, I mean, what would you do if she did become pregnant? What would you do? I'm curious. You'll have to, if you're listening, you're going to have to shoot me a message telling me what you would probably do if she turned out pregnant.
0: And while there's a part of me that screams, put a helmet on that soldier <laughs> before you send uh, it to battle. No. There's, yeah. a, there's a part of me that understands the... Um, raw connection
1: now one thing that's not on here is and we can talk about it is that you were cheated on too
0: yes um i've
1: so you know i don't know we can talk about that on a future episode but some of these feelings are coming legit because you were cheated
0: on unfortunately yes
1: number three depends on some personal views here If an abortion is an option, that is the only way the marriage will potentially work, but the mental impact it may have on the wife might eventually take a toll and be too much for one's wife to handle. If she decides to keep the child, then your marriage is over and I would expect her to leave and stay with the new father and force him to step up. Either way, I see getting pregnant as an absolute tipping point and point of no return. Marriage would be over regardless of her decision on the child ouch
0: yeah Yeah. yeah. that tipping point of no return um definitely true and you have to dig deep in your own emotional values and principles and decide what to do with that life and my own personal view on that is abortion is not the best option i would strongly advise an adoption
1: yeah I mean give the chance to, to that child again it's not this child's fault that this happened and they should have the opportunity to live a life with people who would want them i think adoption is about and i know there's this whole controversy going on and i'm not trying to get political again these are just our personal opinions um and i respect other people's opinions um we don't judge as, as i always say um i just Now that I've had children and now grandchildren, I I don't like that option. I think adoption is the best for me. And that's just me personally again, Um, especially a child who was born out of wedlock like this. It's not the kid's fault.
0: And life is precious. And there was the third option. The husband steps up. Hard, yes. Worthwhile, my personal opinion Yes.
1: So you think you could handle, because we've talked about this, if your wife had gotten pregnant by an affair partner, that you could sit there and raise that child like your own without having any kind of... uh,
0: Need for therapy, (laughs) tons and tons of therapy.
1: But just not having any resentment. I I don't think with you and your personality, you would have resentment for the child by any means. You're not of that makeup. But having uh, the resentment toward your wife.
0: Oh, there's the danger. Treat the child as the innocent that it is. Yeah. However, yeah, there might be some harsh thoughts or words or something.
1: And that's what they say. Resentment
0: towards the wife and that child there every time is a reminder. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. So my principles say, step up. And my, the reality of my existence, emotions, and and, and,
1: that can kind of trump that, you know, And, and I think that's why a lot of women just don't tell their husbands the truth. And in fact, we had a chat with a friend not that long ago who was in the military, and he said the timing doesn't add up. On the pregnancies and he was well aware or at least later in life he knew she had been unfaithful multiple times but to him he doesn't want to know the truth he has raised these children I think there was like one maybe two that were in question as his own he doesn't want to know anything because those are his kids he doesn't want to think on that level and these children are pretty much all grown and He is just, he was the person, even though he didn't have, like I said, proof. He was going to continue to raise them no matter what. And so, in this case, she never said anything, but when he did the math, and I have other stories like this on Patreon, these men that were in the military did the math, and somehow these women got pregnant, (laughs) And and it just...
0: Having been in the military, I may have to chime in a story or two in the future. And without that DNA test shoved in that guy's face or a court order kind of thing, as mentioned before, I think that was admirable of him to just ignore the bad math and yeah. um, treat those child like they needed to be treated. Yeah, that's a- and that was maybe in a way forgiving his mm-hmm. wife and moving on, it sounds like.
1: They're divorced now, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, missed that but part. Still, the you know the the kids that they have, they are his. No matter what, they're his. Regardless of what the blood work might say, he does. Like I said, he doesn't know for sure, but from what his heart is telling him, those are his. End of story.
0: And the other part of the story is how do the children react when it comes oh. to Father's Day? Do they send him the card? When it comes to um, birthday gifts and I love you and um, things like that. He's the recipient because he put in the hard work.
1: Well, and they don't know. I don't think the kids even know about the potential issue. That's something that's been kept on the download. But yeah, it would open up that. But I raised you. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can talk about my own dad. He had two stepkids. And my they, they spend time with their dad. But my dad, especially in the, the son... He was very, very much involved in how he was raised. And at the time when I was younger, I was kind of like, but that's my dad. That's my dad. Um, Wait a minute. (laughs) But as I've gotten older, I can see, especially since I have my own son now, I can see what an important role he played. And I mean, My stepbrother even tattooed something about my father on his arm. I mean, my dad meant that much to him. And I could kick myself for acting like a stupid teenager, late teenager, you know, in life, being jealous that my dad had the second family because my parents were divorced. I didn't get to have my dad as much, and they did. And so there was some resentment there. But there was, again, I mean, I have to say to myself, hello, it's not the children's fault. And... You know, I, I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to see it. I mean, I'm in my 50s now. You'd think I'd grow up, and I have. Um, and now there's situations where I say, Ooh, if Dad was here, he'd be, he'd be kicking your butt, even though we're all older. <laughs> but, you know, because I lost my dad a long time ago. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's it on that one. So, okay, one more, as I know this episode is kind of long. Assuming just the affair did not end the marriage, I would say, Okay, so you cheated on me. You went raw. More disrespect. You are now pregnant. I would be curious of the guy if he planned to step up. 100% like with any affair, I would make sure to tell the other betrayed partner or spouse. Actually, I'd make my wife do it. I encourage this in all cases of infidelity. I do know a story on the subject. It was from the 60s and a married couple were married in the late 50s. I do know they stayed together and worked on the marriage and had a great marriage, but the husband did insist she put the baby up for adoption. I think most men would have a hell of a time with a living reminder of their wife stepping out. If I did not leave and was not trapped for finances and was going to reconcile, I think I would insist on the baby being put up. At 47, I could still have kids, but I'm too old. I think, with my wife at 49, it would be almost impossible, but I would say give up the baby. I will add that paternity fraud is not as rare as people think, and I encourage every guy to get a DNA test, which sometimes there are ways to sneak them, as if your girl did not cheat. She is ticked, but if she did, she will rain fire and keep it from happening. So there was that one. So those are people's thoughts. Well, maybe that last part didn't quite come out right. So to explain it, the girl would be ticked off because you would be going behind her back, so to speak, to do the DNA test or whatever. Um, But what he was saying was that she would fight you tooth and nail because she would know the truth. If she didn't have anything to hide, then she would be like, fine, do it. I think that's what, what he meant.
0: Yeah, hell hath no fury like a woman... Scorned, yes. So raining fire <laughs> to keep it happen from happening. I I could see that. Um, wow, and that one kind of goes back to putting him up for adoption. Um, he's saying I couldn't afford it. I didn't ask for this child. Um, maybe it can go to a couple that is desperately needing and and would love that child. Um, That's definitely a good option, I think. Um, On the other hand, if you snuck it and you found out it wasn't yours, now what do you do? Opening up that can of worms, that moral dilemma. Can you rise above and treat that child like it needs to be treated? Or can you treat your wife like nothing ever happened, or reconcile and forgive and then move on from there. Oh. Not easy. Yeah,
1: no. And I appreciate you being willing to share your thoughts and everything on here. Um, going forward, we will probably have the Marine more on some episodes. I don't know about the next one. It's about female orgasm. I'm not sure if I really want to know his
0: thoughts. Is he a Expert
1: uh, or yeah. not, but we're going to learn about not just about the female orgasm. Some women can't have them, they can't. Uh, someone's is, is harder to achieve. Some women have them, like you know, it's a ping pong game, bing gone, bing, you know, or whatever. But there's also a disorder anerasmic, And so, I don't know, anorgasmic. I can't even say it. And let's see here, it's so orgasmic. So, anorgasmic an orgasmic um but there are situations where women are not capable um and then also i think and this is my personal you know my personal thoughts on some women have easily or with one man but not another and a lot of these affairs show these women are not so much with their husband but they are with their affair partner but i think that that has a lot to do with the emotion and the situation there's a lot of Uh, different factors happening when you're with the person that you're used to your spouse you know is life vanilla and then here it's somebody new it's that new excitement that new chase and your body is completely worked up unlike it is a lot of times with a marriage partner so we'll learn a little bit more about that and we'll see if uh mr marine is gonna chime in (laughs) and whether
0: i testify on that episode or not i will be listening and i hope you are too
1: we're gonna keep our personal lives out of it dear Thank you all so much for being here and listening to myself and the Marine about this topic. It's a tough topic. I mean, everybody, I think, you know, is all, of course, there's no black and white answer. It's all going to be circumstantial based on how maybe people's religion is, how they feel about humanity, um, the forgiveness. Maybe people aren't able to forgive. I mean, there's so many different parts to what would happen when it comes to a child's affair. I mean, every household is different, but I have read many stories on my podcast, um, the raw truth stories of female infidelity. And I know at least of one where she did have a baby based on an affair or through an affair. And for a long time, she did not tell the husband until there was something that had happened where she had to reveal it. They are still married. But that was pretty rocky of a road. So that is, um, that's on the show. But anyway, speaking of which, I am getting ready to start a three-part episode on Raw Truth. So she had a very nice and long story. So that will span over three parts. So if you haven't subscribed to Raw Truth Female, uh, I don't even know the name of my show, Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. You might want to check that out and then if you are interested in learning more about what the men deal with when they find out that their wives have been cheating then I recommend you subscribe to my Patreon and there you will hear stories of and everything is anonymous so it's me talking but it's the the stories that were submitted from the men and what they felt and what they went through when they found out their wives were cheating. You get two of those extra a month plus you get the raw truth and the let's ponder all in one um on one app through patreon and you hear bloopers and you receive uh, those accesses on fridays so you get a little bit early so anyway you can go to my website rawtruthpodcast.com for more information we'll be back in a couple of weeks with a new topic about the female orgasm do you have thoughts and opinions about it do you think it's hard for women to orgasm did you know that there was a disorder with women orgasming? Yeah, we'll learn more all about that in a couple of weeks. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com.